0: Plus they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues
0: Hello and welcome to The Stand with Amy Dunphy. Now, anybody watching the World Cup, despite the controversies in the background and the horrendous nature of the country it's being played in, can't help but be moved by what they see and can't help but understand how important it is for people, how much love and passion is poured into supporting their teams. You can see it. Japanese, Moroccans, Australians, the Senegalese, and of course the big nations as well, Brazilians, Argentinians. It really is a wonderful event. The emotions invested in it are extraordinary, and we've seen some wonderful pictures in the last few days. Now we move on to the knockout stages of the tournament, and yet there is a shadow over the tournament. It's the shadow Of FIFA's corruption and Qatari bigotry, really, or worse. We're joined now from Zohar by Miguel Delaney. Miguel is chief football writer with the Independent in London, and he's out there covering for his paper. Miguel, I would ask you to just confirm the passion that you must feel in the stadium at certain moments. We saw it with Japan last night. We saw it with Morocco. People are so invested in this move to tears, genuinely move to tears, either winning or losing.
1: Oh, yeah. And that, that is essentially precisely what Qatar have bought with this World Cup. That, that's the, biggest, the big calculation made. It's, it's essentially it's the impurity of what they're doing is basically exploiting the purity of football, you'd say. Yeah, because I was, in the, I was in the stadium last night for the Japan-Spain game. I was in the stadium the previous night for Argentina, Poland. And I mean, the the cut through of of the World Cup, it really is remarkable. There is genuinely nothing like it, certainly in global sport, almost in global news. And it's even, I mean, one of the things that really strikes even here, which is pretty much the strangest place I've ever been for an international tournament. This is my ninth now. Um, But it's the feel of being at basically a major global news event and as you can see once it gets into it and again this is this is exactly what the qatar state was banking on once the football starts it's it's impossible for that emotional investment not to take over the drama and i think we we said it before but say with a moment like richarlison's goal against yes. um, against serbia or or messi's against um, mexico or or even what happened last night with japan and spain well qatar is now going to be forever associated with these Positive moments in the way you'd say, you say you hear the words as Teka and you think of Pele in 1970 or Maradona in 1986. That, that's what they're doing, and it's it does mean this World Cup is full of con- contradictions and kind of conflicting emotions in that sense. Because and and, and the one thing I would say as well, because I suppose it's part of the bigger discussion. I mean, there's, there's, it sometimes feels as if FIFA are determined to ruin their golden goose. Even people within some of the federations that are qualified feel that they think. That, I mean, they would maintain. That decision that the decision to persist with Qatar is damaging to the sport, not least because of all the questions it brings. Then you've got what's potentially happening next. I mean, this tournament's actually been with the amount of drama in this group stage. I actually can't remember an opening round like it, especially, I mean, last night, no, and
0: it's high quality stuff as well. I mean, yeah, what, one of the facts, footballing facts of the tournament is the emergence and strengthening of what were minnows in the game Japan, Morocco. Senegal, the African champions also, these nations now have produced technically and tactically very, very good good players and very good groups.
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly it. But, and even that showcase, I mean, shows there's a threshold for these teams to meet. And I think you would say that the 32-team tournament is almost kind of perfectly symmetrical. You could argue it's a bit too big. But it does mean you've got that kind of classic split between group stage, which means everyone qualifies, has good time in the tournament, it gets a proper event, and we get a really good group stage. And it's, it's cleanly split into the last 16. But, of course, what's going to happen next? Well, in
0: the team... Can you tell... Sorry to interrupt you, Miguel. Yeah. I don't want to let the moment pass. I have heard and read that there are 48 nations who will qualify for the next World Cup in the United States in 2026, was I hearing things or is that true?
1: Well, uh, it'll either be 40 or 48. Uh, My instinct would almost be that it's going to be 40 because it's not that big a jump yet. And also, crucially, if you only go to 40, it means in future you've got the potential political leverage of 48. That's a vote winner in the future. Right.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Let me ask you something else about the vibe around the tournament. You've been to a lot of them and... You start a piece you wrote for your newspaper in a taxi with a South Asian taxi driver asking for a tip. Could you give me a tip, please? I have no money to eat. And knowing journalists the way I do at major tournaments, there are probably five of you in the taxi. Yeah. You were all getting dockets as if there was one of you in the taxi. So you were all on an earner straight away. So I hope you gave them a good tip. I wonder why I had to ask for it, but go on, tell me about that.
1: Because it, it's it's on Uber now, so you have to actually click the button. It's not all uh, oh, right. Uh, Shouldn't be sh- 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 laughing about something so poignant, but we were. It was. It was yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a few of us in it, obviously. Uh, but but I mean, this is the thing about it, and but it's moments like that as well. This kind of this harsh reality that also instantly takes you out of the illusion of the world cup and this i would say happens a few times a day and and it's something that i think it's always worth stressing about what this is i mean what one thing i've noticed in the past few days there's just in a growing sense of kind of people would say large social media followings whatever we're talking about well qatar obviously a lot of issues but you know i'm having a great time here everything we're looked after everyone's very nice everything runs smoothly and, but that's the entire point. I mean, that, that, that's why. Of course, they're going to—they're going to. Well, relatively wealthy Westerners are going to have a good time, and and, and that again, that was not calculation made. But equally, I mean, that good time is dependent, and this is why I, I'd go so far as likening it to it, it. It must be like, say, the Deep South in America in plantation times, because you're surrounded by this underclass of people who make everything work, and I think. For, it, they almost kind of, even though they're essential to the running of Qatar, and let's not forget the UAE, Saudi Arabia, because this, this system of, of migrant labor yeah. is, is prevalent through the area, but they almost become in, invisible. Um, and and it's, it's something that human rights groups would, would constantly stress Well, but, but they are everywhere. Uh, and I, like, I, mean, I do wonder whether the, the, the longer you spend in, in states like this, it just becomes a kind of an accepted reality. When in truth, it's, it's an obnoxious immorality.
0: Yeah, you do also point to a couple of things that are fascinating. You were talking to an environmentalist, Mike Berners-Lee, who said, and I quote, the World Cup is going to be the highest carbon event apart from war that humans have ever staged. And you go on in your piece to give examples. For example, there are no team sheets. And there are no programmes at these games. Now, fans will know keeping your program in particular to remember occasions important in your sporting life is part of you know the the tradition. The idea that this is a high carbon event in what is supposed to be a Green World Cup is bizarre.
1: Perverse. Oh it's but, but, but it also points to the fact, I mean, let's, not, let's also not forget what we're dealing with here. It's a police state, an autocracy. The emir has um, virtually absolute power. You can't really trust anything that's said. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a state that operates without a free, pe- without a free press. Dissent is suppressed. Um, and, and from that perspective as well, they're not used to being challenged, which is, which is why we have, they're not used to the official version of events being challenged, which is why we've had so many flashpoints about issues like the number of migrant workers that have died or um, the kind of the, even elements around the, the wearing of rainbow items to the stadiums, uh, and 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 the, I thought environment- the players.
0: The players gave in, Miguel, very easily. I know that the sanctions were put on them very late, so that they couldn't talk to their peers in other camps, and therefore, you know, didn't know what to do. But there are strong soccer European nations. Germany, England of course, Wales even, France, all of these nations were not prepared or were they to stand up and say to FIFA and to the host nation no. If you insist on that, you won't have a tournament.
1: Well, just the first thing I would say I thought the German response to that was impressive yes, it and was. it's clearly it's clearly rattled the Qatari state. Given just now, the, the Germans have, have gone out this morning, and there's been footage from Qatari TV of all these pundits in one of the television uh, programmes doing kind of that silence gesture that the Germans did, yeah, uh, and, and and waving goodbye, which is essentially belittling a gesture of solidarity uh, with with, with um, uh, a criminalized community here, uh, which is remar- which is remarkable, and again, remarkable. We're in the situation. In terms of the armband itself, I think if you actually take the case on its individual merits, where, and, you know, the Germans are describing extreme blackmail. I've been told that had they worn the armbands, it was unlimited liability, so we could have had players suspended for games. Whatever. If you take that on its individual merits, you can understand the decision. But all that does is, it basically, as you, as you say, these players have huge leverage, huge voices. All it does is expose the fact that they didn't do enough in the build up. I mean, for like yeah. a great, they, they could have used their voice much more strongly. So to pin it all on an armband that was quite a weak gesture in the first place, but obviously accumulated this greater importance as things went on, that, that's poor. because I mean, because I suppose this kind of cuts back to a bigger debate about this whole tournament where, like, I mean, in the 70s, say, ahead of uh, 1978, obviously the calls for boycotts ahead of Argentina. That doesn't happen now because I think human rights groups had taken more kind of nuanced, approach to it and feel these things can be challenged in a different way so I think the, the players are given a bit of a pass for going but at the same time they are benefiting their careers are benefiting from this immoral World Cup so uh, I, I don't think they complete ignorance I think they have a responsibility at the very least to use their voice there and if they don't say anything I think it does ultimately reflect badly on them because they, they, again yeah, they, they, they can't say they weren't told
0: Well we, we can point to Ronaldo Cristiano, who is receiving 178 million a year to go and play in Saudi next season. We can also point to the fact that Lionel Messi is an ambassador for the Saudis. I think his fee is 25 million a year, although I may have missed a zero at the end of that. But when players of that stature, who are already extremely well off, Allow themselves to flog themselves to the Saudis. It's deeply unimpressive.
1: Well, it's, it also points to the lack of scrutiny or any questioning the game in that sense, which which points, which you know, is reflective of how basically we've had these states able to buy clubs, able, a, completely able to disrupt the top of the sport. And in that context, most of the players just aren't asking questions. I mean, you'd wonder how they were. Um, how they were like? What what the discussions with their advisors were? Whereas no one's saying, "Do you think this is a bad idea?" I mean, so I'm, I'm, like, how much money does Messi need? Um,
0: no, it, the point is though, Miguel, this is our problem with discussing sport and politics, is that there's Grand Prix held in Saudi, there's golf tournaments now held in Saudi? Everything football? They were in the World Cup. They've just gone home because they lost the game. So once you start looking too closely at the relationship between sportsmen and women and these repulsive regimes, you go down a rabbit hole that you might never get out of. Let me ask you something else, and it's a point you made in your piece, and it was a point very well made. There is among the local people in Qatar, the ordinary people, great pride. Qatar is the first Muslim nation, first Arab nation, to host a major tournament like the World Cup, and that is a source of pride to the local people.
1: Yeah, and not, and not just the local people, I would say, but also essentially the and the entire uh, yes. Middle East and Muslim world. Because even uh, we got Ilkay Gundogan in the mix zone the other day after Germany's draw with Spain, yes. and he, he he made a point of almost saying, "You know, I understand." I gather actually, there's been a, maybe a little bit more tension within the German camp about the politics. Than maybe has been was initially portrayed, but Gundogan did make a point of saying, "I'm from a Muslim community, Muslim family, and there's great pride about that the Muslim world has finally got to stage a tournament, and that is a very noble thing." Now it does, I suppose, provoke some bigger debates in terms of kind of because uh, criminalization of homosexuality is an issue in a lot of predominantly Muslim countries. Although um, many human rights groups would stress that that is not compatible. With, with Islam, we, we were, that was a point specifically made to us by Human Rights Watch on the eve of the tournaments um, but uh, so it, 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 it does provoke bigger debates and kind of it's it's the two sides of this as well because you, you could fairly say this part of the world, it, it's overdue really and Morocco have been trying for a tournament for so long uh, that could have been held without many of the issues within within Qatar uh, but then of course Qatar had 220 billion to spend on an entire infrastructure
0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping
1: and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: Let me ask you about David Beckham, Miguel, and the rumor or fact that he is he signed a 200 million million, ten-year deal, to be a cultural ambassador for Qatar. Can that possibly be true?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it hasn't been denied. <laughs> a lot of people have been reporting it quite freely now. He's some beaut, isn't he, David? <laughs> well, the, Sir, Sir David is, of course. It, he Sir David, is he? <laughs> is
0: he um, getting any stick? I don't see the English journalists writing about this the way i feel they should be i mean it's not for me to tell them what to write but this guy was the ambassador for england when qatar robbed the world cup of them in 2010
1: yeah from that perspective it's remarkable now to be to be fair i think in just before the tournament there were a lot of pieces about um about beckham uh, sam wallace did one in in the in this daily telegraph and, and and there's been some stuff from the guardian but it's interesting that perspective as well because Beckham is everywhere at this term. You see him in every corner, but he's also nowhere because I, I think this is cru- cru- exactly this points what you're talking about. It's it's quite it's funny for someone that's such a high profile ambassador in Discard, Usually, in those cases, to do all sorts of media interviews talking about how great it all is. There hasn't been one here. We, there's been no press conference. With Beckham. There's been no interviews with English press that we were expecting. Uh, he before he came, he's got this new documentary out on Disney Plus or something, uh, where they did they, they they had some public event in in London just before the World Cup uh, that I got an invite to, it, but couldn't go to. And there was no, as uh, for as they gather, there was no press interview there, or no press conference. Uh, and that's obviously because, I suppose, one of the first questions would be some pretty uncomfortable questions.
0: What is he known for these days, Miguel? <laughs> Being um, David Beckham. <laughs> and what did David Beckham
1: actually do? Well, it, I suppose, I mean, again, this is another kind of calculation. I mean, that, is
0: he a kind of football version of the Kardashians?
1: That's pretty much it I mean because look what, what, what by, by having Beckham what do you have, he kind of bestows a glamour on guitar um that that, that feels like it's pretty much it because even it, it doesn't feel and let's not forget Beckham all right at his peak, he probably became quite overrated, especially around that 2006 period. I remember you discussing that on, uh, yeah. on, on on TV a lot, but before that we were like he, he used to be known as a really honest, hardworking pro yeah, yeah. before. Uh, but it does feel like that's kind of past. He, he's not really known for that anymore. Um, he, I mean, every so often you get this debate about go, how good a player Beckham actually was. Uh, but I mean, he's not really put in that context. It's kind of like his status or fame has just has transcended football. And he's just basically, he's almost a professional David Beckham now.
0: Yeah, he's just a figure who he's <laughs> vacuous and he ghosts around the place. And you can read about him in the mail online every day. now. Miguel, just let me ask you a couple of serious questions about what may be done to save football in particular, although all sports are in danger. Budweiser had a deal with FIFA. They're a beer supplier, as we know, and alcohol was banned in the stadium, which I think is a very good idea. They should ban it from from most stadiums. Nevertheless, why did... FIFA do a deal with Budweiser if they must have known this was likely to happen in a Muslim country? And where are Budweiser allowed to sell their beer if anywhere now? And will they sponsor the next World Cup?
1: Well, it's in, it's in the fan zones. I mean, I think the, the relationship with FIFA will persist. I suppose what, that's, what that story really sums up, and as you say, I think it, it, it wouldn't have been a bad thing had they, had they just banned alcohol from stadiums for this tournament. And had, had that been done months out, I think people would have understood it. I mean it sh- it should be appreciated it's in a muslim it's a, in a muslim country in that in that regard. It, it was yes. the fact that it was in two days and as you know as so many people on the ground here involved in federations have told me it, it does kind of show who's really who's really running this tournament uh, yes. which is Qatar and the FIFA have almost been kind of left yes you know in, in Qatar's wake in that regard um so, I mean, I, I would say Budweiser will so You do see it everywhere. I mean, it's it's all over the fan zone. Uh, there's um, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a media bar in the big main media centre where you can buy um cans of Budweiser for the equivalent of 10 euro, and they're the cheapest in the city.
0: <laughs> Is that before or after you file your copy? Anyway. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm, I, I, I've been cleaning this tournament. To okay. we're, we're working too hard.
0: <laughs> let me ask you another question, Miguel, before I let you go, because... This is very important. It seems to me that either football gets rid of FIFA and it's corrupt and corrupting setup, everything about it, or FIFA will destroy football. And there's some evidence when you look at the footballing side of things that they won't mind. What would happen if 10 major European countries said to FIFA... Goodbye. It's over. You don't run us anymore.
1: Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think that's imminent, but... No, it's, I, I, it's
0: not, but it, we can't go on with this corrupt and corrupting governing body destroying the game and making but, but, it disreputable.
1: But it's exactly, I mean, it, 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 certainly, the, I suppose the, the tectonic plates of football are really shifting, and if you talk to so many people in the game now, they'll, they'll basically say... We're on the brink of maybe the biggest shift in football since the, but probably bigger than Bosman really, because what's happening with FIFA ties in with something bigger that they're connected to. Obviously, there's all sorts going on in the club game where there's been concerns about you know the rise of these state clubs, how leagues like Germany or Italy or yes. France are being, are, are, I mean, or not. even City are, yeah, are running away with things. So that has led. I mean, already you've got a lot of people in football who basically are openly saying now the game needs a reset. That runs alongside the ongoing attempts to set up a Super League. And there's the the next stage of that legal proceeding on the 15th December, which will basically decide whether it will go to a full hearing at the European Court of Justice, and which will basically decide whether bodies like FIFA and UEFA have a monopoly to... uh, or they they have a they have a kind of a business monopoly in terms of running football, whereas yeah. they would argue they're safeguarding the sport, which of course opens up the bigger questions. I mean, FIFA is supposed to be the ultimate authority in the game. It's supposed to safeguard what it's about, but it basically it, it can't do anything about competitive balance, about distribution of resources, and, and 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 most obviously at the moment the the takeover of the game really by these deeply problematic states who essentially are starting to run the world economy through fossil fuels. Yes, and in fact you could even argue that FIFA. Facilitate this, and then as you as you pointed there, you've got this ongoing split where UEFA and CONMEBOL, the South American Federation, have had a stronger alliance in the last two years. That was in response to FIFA attempting a biennial World Cup, and there's always that almost implicit threat. Well, you might have the competition and what you want to do with it, but we've got all the big countries, we've got the stars. If we went our own way, that'd be FIFA done. Yeah, but then of course FIFA themselves. There's a, there's a theory within the club game that the biennial World Cup was all a bit of a, a Trojan horse or a bait and switch or whatever you want to call it. That FIFA, that FIFA were trying to leverage a situation where they'd say, OK, we won't have a biennial World Cup, but we want to have an expanded club World Cup. Because a lot of people in the club game believe that what Infantino really wants is the Champions League money. Because given the football yeah. World Cup is only every four years and as beautiful as it is and all the rest of it. The real, the real money is in the club game, and who controls yeah. the clubs controls the sport. So we have all these competing forces, and it's, it, uh, I, I think 2023, I suppose, really starting with what, what, what might happen in mid-December, two weeks' time, it could be a very, very interesting year for the game.
0: Yeah, just let me give, give an opinion, Miguel. In the Bosman case, which changed football forever and dramatically, in terms of what players could earn and what they could do and how free they were. The argument put up by the football people that would have kept Bosman after his contract period had ended, would have allowed his club to keep him, they were arguing that football was a sport. It was not a business. And therefore, they were entitled to have their own rules. The European court found that football was not a sport, primarily it was a business. Therefore, Bosman had to be treated like any other business employee whose contract had run out. In other words, he was free. The same principle will govern the attempt to form a Super League and the court will rule in favour of the clubs, the 12 clubs who are trying to start it. That's my view. I don't know if you guys in the press Pack now have talked about these matters, but there is a direct parallel argument.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've been speaking to people involved, and as well, to be fair, it should be stressed: it's not the twelve anymore. It's basically it's these three, three clubs. Yes, but they're they're out rim. there are yeah, yeah, Barcelona and Juventus. Yeah, because they're uh, broke,
0: Miguel, and their country, yeah. their countries are dropping out, and they can't even qualify for the knockout stages.
1: But, but but the tournaments. This, the other side of that is, I mean, uh, obviously. I mean, clubs like Madrid and Barcelona. I mean, they shouldn't be afforded really much sympathy because they've run the game as they've seen. They're used to being the top dogs and kind of dictating things and creating situations where kind of all. I mean, where the game has this issue of financial distribution, but it, it equally can't be ignored that the reason they've moved for this is because of football's failure to regulate state-owned yes. clubs. It's kind of I mean so. What, what, what's actually happening is that far from more competitive variety in the sport and kind of you say more clubs being able to win things, which should be what it's really about. The, the top field just gets narrower yep. and narrower. Well, I, from that perspective, so from speaking to people involved, um, it, it, they they really think it's 50-50. It's a, uh, the one thing this time, UEFA have a lot of, from a lot of lobbying, they've got a lot of political support, and it, there is this feeling that it's, it, this is, there's an element of, or a necessity for cultural protection here, especially given... I've subsequently been told as well that um, UEFA are increasingly conscious of the issue of nation states, most of those from the Middle East because of the Gulf blockade, seeking to distort sport or bike clubs, and there's a consideration there. They're looking at what next. That could see UEFA win. But, I mean, as as was put to me, this will probably end in some sort of legal And What we might see is not UEFA broken up, but essentially kind of walls put between its various parts. I mean cuz this is actually this is one point where the Super League had, there's actually logic to what they say. I mean cuz you could you could fairly criticize FIFA and particularly UEFA in this regard for allow for, a, for facilitating or fostering a situation where mo, most of Europe in in terms of the economics of football is a wasteland. Like if you if you go east of Munich these great football heartlands you would have play, you would have played in so many of these countries None of their clubs are powerful anymore. A lot of their national teams are because there isn't the infrastructure. So much of the wealth is in Western Europe, basically in, in almost seven geographical pockets. And, and UEFA has a responsibility there. That that that's where an argument could be made that they're actually not overseeing the culture of the game in that regard. Um, but and and, and equally al- alongside that, it, there's almost this contradiction, and th- this is something else that the Super League lawyers are honing in on, where. FIFA and UEFA are supposed to be authorities. or They're supposed to kind of be overseers of the game, kind of safeguards. But yet, at the same time, they're actually in business competition with the club. They're in this marketplace because, the, I mean, the Champions League and the World Cup, these aren't just sporting competitions. They're products competing for com- for commercial revenue.
0: Okay. It's a conversation for another day. But we're very grateful to you for joining us on this. And I should say to our listeners... Uh, Miguel has a newsletter which you get sent to your inbox for free it's called Reading the Game and you can sign up for that if you wish we're very grateful to Miguel Delaney and we hope he survives this World Cup Uh, who's going to win Miguel in one word Brazil well done (laughs) right answer I backed him that's Miguel Delaney Chief Football Writer with The Independent in London who's in Qatar reporting for his paper. We're grateful to Miguel, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.